After a 21-year career in the wine trade, Michael Mackenzie took a change of direction and became Director of Operations for Scottish European Aid, an aid agency specialising in Eastern Europe. Whilst working in Bosnia in 1993, he was involved in an accident. Mike broke his ribs, collapsed his lungs, lost his spleen, broke his hands, lost his left leg and severed his spinal cord, resulting in paralysis from the chest down. He ended up in the National Spinal Injury Centre, Stoke Mandeville. He later lost the other leg. After 18 months in hospital, he returned to his home in Scotland where he took up skiing and found that with some determination, life was great but very possible challenge. Michael is now a motivational speaker, hotel and leisure industry disability consultant, writer, charity chairman and adventurer. Michael founded Spinal Injuries Together, a consortium of five national spinal charities, for which he is now founding president. He is a director at Motorsport Endeavour, a motorsport organisation for disabled people, especially service personnel. He is a trustee at Diveable, an organisation training people with disabilities to scuba dive. He is also chairman and trustee of the Popper Goodman Trust. Michael today becomes an honorary doctor of law at the University of Warwick. Mike, congratulations, first of all. How does it feel today to receive this award? Astonishing, to be honest. Um, just a complete bolt out of the blue. Um, oddly enough, when I got back from four days of honeymoon, mm-hmm. which we were married um, four months ago today, and there was a stack of letters, and I just started opening. The first one I opened was from Warwick University, and I thought, what on earth is this? And um, was astonished to see that I was being offered this extraordinary honour of being a doctor of laws, honorary doctor of laws, which um, I found hard to believe, to be honest. But yeah. great to have actually got here and got here. And now it's real. You know. And a wonderful day for it as well today. Uh, yes, it's nice and warm. Um, very good day for uh, keeping the water levels up. But, uh, yes. No, it's great. Now, you had an accident uh, about 20 years ago now, and it changed your life forever, I think that's fair to say. So could you just tell me a little bit about what happened? Yes, I mean, I was working for an aid agency in Bosnia uh, during the war in '93, and um, I was rather appropriately job-titled the Director of Operations, which basically just meant I had more operations than anybody else. Very sadly, uh, one knows... You know, it was my choice to go to work. Um, it was a major career change from being a, a civilised wine merchant to again play in a war zone. One is aware that it's potentially dangerous, but of course you are sure it's never going to happen to you. And it did. But I had a, about three, three to four months of running things out in uh, the northeast of Bosnia, around Tuzla, and... We were principally restoring water supplies and re-roofing houses, or at least we we had a factory making tiles for the roofs. And we just gradually got on from there um, to build a number of refugee camps and so on. But the main thing was water supplies. And the three factions that were busy fighting each other tended to use water as a form of weapon really to uh, really disillusion the the villages and so on and we were going along behind the front lines fixing it and we we were building 
big tanks which uh, reservoirs basically on the hills above villages and putting in the pipelines repairing pipelines and so on and there was something absolutely astounding that you did all this and you looked down from the hill and you knew the village below or the town had not had water running for about two three months or longer and you had the extraordinary privilege of turning on the tap. Yes, I can imagine, yeah. And you knew that there was this water going down and people could turn on taps in their kitchens, bathrooms, whatever. And it was just an extraordinary uh, privilege to be able to do that. And I absolutely loved doing it, um, not just turning on taps. I mean, we, we managed to... A part of my job was to make sure we had the funding to do these things. And um, I managed to blag... $1.3 million out of the UNHCR. That's quite some um, blag, isn't it? Which yeah. was kind of helpful. And um, we sort of built the thing from there. And an extraordinary young guy in his mid-twenties was one of two brothers that were involved in setting this thing up in the first place. And they were looking for somebody with a few token grey hairs that had been in business. And uh, I felt like a change. I thought, wow, why not? Um, so it was great, and I absolutely loved it, um, to the extent that after I'd been injured, all the time I was in State Mandeville Hospital, I was still sort of working with the NGO, the aid agency, and in those days it was fax machines rather than computers, but you know, I was determined to go back and continue my job, and um, did. I mean, soon after I left Stoke, within about a month, I was back out in Bosnia um, and found that war in a wheelchair is not really very handy. You put on a bulletproof jacket, it's so heavy, the wheelchair tips over backwards. But the good news is you've got a helmet on, so it doesn't hurt. And uh, I found after a fortnight, I was actually putting other people at unnecessary risk. You know, when, when you're caught in crossfire or something, everybody jumps out of the Land Rover or whatever you're in and hides behind a rock. And I'd be in the Land Rover saying, hey, guys, I think you've forgotten something here. You know? So anyway, after a couple of weeks, uh, I decided, right, done that. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a great sadness to have to stop. Um, Did you find it difficult to readjust at that period? Well, yes. I mean, I, uh, I was very fortunate that when I woke up after six weeks in a coma, A, I was in a country which people were speaking English, and I thought that I was in Bosnia, which is where I'd last been. And um, the thing I really hacked off about was missing the ambulance journey from Biggin Hill, where I was flown back to, to St Mary's Paddington, which apparently well, my mother was accompanying me, and she said it's the most frightening journey she's ever done. And we had police outriders and everything else, because the oxygen that I was on was running out. And I'm really hacked off that I missed that. I would have loved it. But uh, as I say, I woke up six weeks later um, in an English-speaking hospital, realised I was missing a left leg, slightly inconvenient, a um, bit of a mess. I was on a ventilator through a tracheostomy, uh, so I couldn't speak. And in fact, I couldn't move anything much. And um, it sort of seemed slightly unreal because, as I say, you, you never think it's going to happen to you. What was particularly difficult to get to grips with was I was told that my two colleagues um, 
had both been killed in the same thing, the same accident, or incident is probably a better way of putting it. And I obviously was fairly badly dented, but what was really difficult was that as director of operations, I'd actually taken one guy out with me on this particular trip um, to work for us, and this was the sort of final interview for him to meet our team out there. And to my absolute horror, he had been killed, and it was indeed his final interview. So that was difficult to come to terms with, and of course being the boss meant that one felt incredibly guilty. Um, and I have to say, I didn't know at the time that I was paralysed, I just wasn't terribly well. And, um, I was sort of jealous of the two that had, had died, but very glad to say that uh, you quickly make a recovery from that. And the brain either says, oh, for God's sake, let's give up, or it says, get on with it. I thought, well, you know, this is a new challenge. Um, and since that point, you have achieved a remarkable number of things, it's fair to say. Mainly things that are self-interest. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's great to be able to put the label charitable work or whatever to these things. But, I mean, I just... I'm a great believer in enjoying things and getting on with or finding opportunities to do things. And, I mean, for instance, the Round the World in 80 Ways adventure was an adventure. And it was, you know, to begin with, one thought, well, this is great, you know, we're, we're going to have a great time. And then it dawned on me after a, a few days that basically two blind people and myself, missing a few bits, and an able-bodied helper who was deaf, and a one-eyed cameraman who ran into a lamppost on day one. And after a few days, I suddenly thought, actually, this is remarkable what we're doing here. And it was always meant to basically say to people, look, if you want to do something, just do it. And um, step over your barrier and um, just get on with life. And it's not that difficult to do just step out of your comfort zone and uh, we had an amazing three months adventure um, our able-bodied helper as I said earlier was deaf but he also we thought he was doing far too well so he broke his toes twice uh, he was the only one of us that fell off an ostrich which I'm proud to say I didn't fall off it uh, he broke his ribs or well, we broke them for him actually we had a a ballooning accident in the Nevada desert and we all landed on top of him in the basket, <laughs> broke his ribs. And um, we were beginning to get, sort of, felt we were getting even. And then he had to have a hernia operation after lifting me onto an elephant. So we got him fairly well sorted out. And Is it that sense of adventure that you look for when it comes to a challenge? Is that the driving force behind what you choose to do? Yes. Um, I think... I'm probably much more of a risk-taker post-bump than before. You know, if it's happened once, it's not likely to happen again. Having said that, I do know various people who, who are paralysed who have, first of all, broken their back, and then they're doing fine, and they go out to a, a really good pub or something, and their wheelchair falls down steps, and they break their neck, which is not recommended. So um, I don't intend to do that. But, yes, adventure is exciting, and... Partly proving to yourself what you can do, despite what apparently looks difficult. One of the things that's very misunderstood, I think, with 
forms of disability and particularly the sort of madcap things that I've been doing and intend to continue if my um, consultants allow it, which I'm sure they won't. Um, the actual, say, riding an ostrich or diving under the Red Sea or whatever it might be, looks spectacular and people say, oh, wow, you know, there's that guy who's paralysed, he's got no legs, how does he do that? It's actually no difficult, it's not very difficult and, and um, there are ways of doing it, maybe in a different way to as you would have done. But the thing that is difficult about, for instance, the Round the World in 80 Ways is not so much the spectacular riding an elephant or whatever it might have been, driving around Grand Prix circuit in Malaysia, um, with a blind driver, which I was navigating for, um, that actually isn't the big challenge. The big challenge is getting from one place to another, getting up in the morning, getting washed, getting dressed, arriving on time. And that is the difficulty um, which people miss. And we do these wonderful things that everyone says, oh, wow. Actually, if they saw how long it takes to get up in the morning, they'd be slightly change their, their attitude. Yes, very much so. Uh, just a final thought then, I think. Uh, it, would you have a word of advice for any of your fellow graduates today uh, who are just about to leave Warwick? It's the beginning of a new adventure. And um, the thing is to possibly have a dangerous dream as to what you want to do. But in reality, if you're self-confident, you've already achieved an enormous amount with your degree go for it and don't be put off by oh you know well I'm not sure whether I should bring that person up or whatever you just got to have the confidence the belief in yourself and you will get somewhere you don't have to break your back you don't have to have your legs off you can do it full stop and uh, good luck to everybody that's graduated today and uh, wish them very very well in the future I only got five O levels at school, so never went to university. And to be made this extraordinary honour of being a doctor of laws, honorary doctor of laws, is amazing. And it just shows that it is possible to get um, or reach heights that you never thought you would, regardless of whether you've um, got no exams or, or whether you have. So just go for it. A wonderful sentiment. Uh, Mr Mike McKenzie, thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.